Fading Memories is sponsored by I'm Up. I'm Up is an app that gives you independence, security, and peace of mind. Find it in your favorite app store and use invite code 006 when you sign up. Welcome to Fading Memories, a supportive podcast for those of us caring for a loved one with memory loss. Hey, did you call and check in with mom this morning? No, I thought it was Pam's turn this morning. Do you know where my laptop is? Why are mornings so crazy? Ah, these daily phone calls are getting complicated and we're all forgetting whose day it is to call and check in. I'll call mom from the car as I head into work. That way, if we get into a conversation, it won't make me late or any crazier than I already feel. Oh, don't forget to give the dog his pills. Sounds good. Who's going to call Pam and figure out whose day is whose again? Ah, there has to be a better way than this. I don't know about you, but I know there's a lot of times that I wonder, you know, what's going on in my mom's mind? Not in a negative way, but more in the way of what's it like to not have short-term memory, not to remember that I've been there for two hours after spending two minutes in the ladies' room, not remembering her husband is gone or the dog has been rehomed or what you had for lunch 45 minutes ago. It's impossible for me to imagine. So I was really excited when I ran across Janice Swink on Twitter. She is a woman living with mixed dementia, and she is very vocal about educating and advocating for people like her. So I had a very lengthy conversation with her. I apologize. I was doing very good on keeping the episode short, And she blew my streak, but it's completely worth listening to this week and next week because she talks about what it's like in her mind, how her brain feels, how her body feels. It was so enlightening that it's really, really helpful. And everybody needs to listen, not just those of us that are caregivers, but anybody that might run across someone like my mom or your family member or Janice. You'll love this conversation. Grab a drink, maybe a snack, and let's listen to what it's like to live with dementia. Good morning. How are you doing? Actually, afternoon for you. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's, it's getting cold. We're supposed to have a bad snowstorm. Well, thank you for joining me on the podcast. Can you introduce yourself to everybody and tell us a little bit about you? Sure. Uh, my name is Janice Swink. I live in Louisville, Kentucky. I'm 66 years old. I was diagnosed with frontal temporal um, dementia in November of 2015 after several months of bizarre behavior for me. Um, I would come out of stores that we shop at all the time and not know where I was. Um, I was losing my balance. I was having trouble getting my words out. So um, I got that diagnosis then. And uh, I believe it was last year that my neurologist also stated that I could have probable Lewy body as well, so mixed dementias, because I have a lot of hallucinations 
and smell stuff burning that isn't. And there's just a lot that goes on with that, as well as the frontal temporal. Um, I'm having a MRI done Tuesday morning because I haven't had one done in three years. And my neurologist wants to see what's going on. Uh, my short-term memory has gotten very bad. I can still recall stuff from a lot of years ago. Um, not everything because I'm starting to have some problems with that, but nothing like the short-term memory. I make uh, videos on Facebook at our public, and I talk about what it's like for me living with dementia to help educate and advocate. Um, the caregivers, they have told me that they get a lot out of my videos because their loved one would never talk about it. And now they understand more about what they, they're going through or what they went through. And I also make dancing videos to raise awareness that even though I have dementia, I can still do stuff. Well, that's how I found you was through the videos <laughs> and on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And to back up one quick step, was the frontal temporal dementia caused from a stroke or do they not know? No, um, they don't know what caused it. Now, my brother that lives with us, he has vascular dementia and that was caused from strokes. There's so many different varieties. It's a little tricky to keep them all separate because yeah. they're similar but different. Like you said, you might have Louis body dementia because you get hallucinations and I never heard of somebody having um, smell hallucinations. Um, that that goes with Louis body. Okay, you can. It smells like uh, there's wires or there's stuff burning. Uh, you, I smell chemical smells that no one else does. Uh, the hallucinations can be very very frightening. Um, I will see things or hear things that are not there. Um, one time I was sitting at the table eating strawberries and the strawberry looked like a heart pulsating. Well, that's creepy. Yeah. <laughs> they can be very scary. Yeah. I've, I've read that, um, that that's typical, you know, people with Lewy body or dementias that cause hallucinations. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes they get very frightened because they think there's another person in the room or, They don't know why that person's there. And of course, family members, caregivers like myself have no idea what's going on. And it's, it's um, hard. It's it's very scary. And um, I can't speak for everyone with dementia because we each are so different. Um, No two are alike. Mm -hmm. The only thing that I can talk about is stuff that happens to me. And I see monster faces a lot of times in stuff. And most of my hallucinations take place later in in the late afternoon or nighttime. Would that be when the the light's changing? Like sundown? Um, It's not sundowners. Um, Some people have the hallucinations throughout the day. Just for me, most of mine are towards the evening. 
Now, sometimes during the day, I'll think I see little black bugs running everywhere and they're not there. Um, Cause I'll ask my husband, are there, are there little bugs crawling everywhere? And he'll say, no, I don't see any. And uh, so I'll know that it's not real. Um, I don't know. I may get to the point to where I, I don't know that they're not real. That's, that's very likely. Yeah, that won't be good. No. Now, I don't know if you've read my background. My mom just turned 76 last Saturday, and she has advanced younger onset Alzheimer's. Yeah. So it's been almost two years since my dad passed away. <clears throat> Excuse me. And my sister and I are responsible for her. She is in a care residence. Mm-hmm which has been actually quite good for her because she's very social with other ladies there. That's good. Uh, yeah. Um, it wasn't an easy decision to do, but it was, I mean, my sister is 40. She'll be 48 this spring. I just mm-hmm. turned 52. She's got school age kids. My husband and I are self-employed. So living with one of us was not an option and it wouldn't have been the right option for her, even if it was. So that's my, my bit of background. Okay. Um, the other thing that I found very interesting through your posts is that you get a lot of really negative comments. People say, well, you don't look like you have dementia, which is really stupid because yeah, it affects your how brain. Are you, right. How are you supposed to look? Exactly. Uh, they go by the images that the, the media put out there of a very elderly, frail person sitting all stooped over uh, in, a, in a nursing home or a care home. And this is the image that a lot of people have in their minds as to how someone with dementia should look. Um, Dementia is being diagnosed in people as young as in their 20s and 30s now. Ugh, scary. It, it is a worldwide epidemic. There is not enough education getting out there. There is not enough advocating. Most people have heard of Alzheimer's. That's the more common that's out there. And um, they haven't heard about the other kinds. They know nothing about it. Um, people think that those of us with dementia are deliberately doing things to aggravate them, and that's just not true. Uh, we're not doing it deliberately. Our brain has to work so hard for us to try to do things that it's very exhausting for us, um, because our brain is deteriorating and dying off. And it affects every one of our body functions. Mm-hmm. It affects our entire body, our personality, our emotions. Um, anger can come with it. Uh, I recently was diagnosed with a very severe urinary tract infection. I talked about this in a video that I made uh, just, I think it was two days ago. I'm not sure. But... Uh, I was being really irritable and angry and confusion was a lot worse. And I just, the thing is, 
I would go to the restroom. It would hurt really bad. I'd come out, and then I would forget to tell my husband. So this went on with me for over a week. It, it was affecting my blood sugars because the morning that um, my husband's name is Eric took my blood sugars, it, they were 356. Yikes. And so that prompted me being that high to call my family doctor. And she got me in that day. And she told me if I had waited a few more days, I would have been in the hospital. So, I mean, everything affects us just so much different than than someone else. Well, and UTIs are extremely common. Mm -hmm. And for people like my mom, I don't know that she would be able to communicate. Right. She might, but you'd have to, kind of like you said, you you would come out of the bathroom and then forget to tell your husband. I think... I know she would have that problem. So if you weren't right there with her, um, I, I know she would have that problem. So it's a good, if something, like you said, your confusion was worse, your mood was mm-hmm. worse, and blood sugar being out of whack, that'll do it yeah. too. That's something caregivers and family need to look for because if your right. loved one has a sudden change. Mm-hmm. Um, In behaviors and stuff and uh, more confusion or they're angry and just, you know, that's the first thing that should be checked for is a urinary tract infection. Exactly. So what do you tell these people when they say stupid things to you like you don't look <laughs> like you have dementia? I'm sure you probably want to slap them, but I'm sure you probably don't. <laughs> I haven't yet. <laughs> that, that may come one day. I don't was, know. <laughs> you'll have a good excuse if you do, you know, later on. Yeah. Well, when they when when they say stuff like that, I kind of look at them and give them a little smile. And but in my mind, I'm thinking, well, you don't look like you're stupid either. But <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I haven't really said anything back. I try to educate people when I'm out. My husband he pimped my walker for me <laughs> that I have to use. It has purple leopard print seed on it, and he painted it. Uh, a metallic purple and I have little animals hanging off the basket and he made me a sign for the front of it that says dementia awareness and people they'll say oh I like your walker and then that gives me a chance to educate them about uh, the dementias that I have and about people and they'll be like oh I didn't know that I didn't know that at all I'd never heard this so I get opportunities to educate. I always try to look for those. And I love to give out hugs to people. I'll ask, do you mind if I give you a hug? And no one's turned me down. So I just want them to see that, you know, we're still people. Mm -hmm. We still need to be loved. We need to be... um, just, you know, include us in stuff. A lot of times friends and family walk away mm-hmm. and it's usually one family member that ends up caring for the person with dementia. A lot of financial hardship uh, because they have to give up jobs. They lose homes. Um, they need respite care so bad, but they can't afford it. And, um, 
the government doesn't really seem too interested in dementia patients because there's no cure. Right. And there's really no money to be made off of it from the drug companies. So super expensive to care for this very increasing population. Yes. I just spoke to a young woman last week. Um, I wasn't aware that millennials are actually, there are a large portion of them that are caregivers. Yes. And that's, my daughter's 27, so she's a millennial. She's right smack in the, that group. And that, I'm glad that they're doing it, but it also bothers me because I know from personal experience that it's, it's extremely difficult. And if you're trying to finish mm-hmm. college, you know, advancing your career, one gal that's featured um, in this uh, advocacy program for millennial caregivers you know, she was caring for a family member. I can't remember which one now. And she met the guy that ended up being her husband. And it's like, it's very difficult to go through all of those changes as a younger person caring for somebody. So I'm, I'm thinking at some point, the government's going to have to, the world governments are going to have to get with it and figure out how to help people like you and my mom and help people like me and my daughter without bankrupting the globe, because that's the scariest part. Right. And um, we've got children that's caring for parents with the dementias, Alzheimer's. Uh, We've got children that are having to change their parents, uh, clean them up, put them in briefs, uh, whatever, bathe them. They basically are having to do all the care that the parent did for them when they were babies and little. Um, And the amount of stress it takes, the toll it takes on caregivers is just tremendous. Now, there are excellent caregivers, and there are some that make really hateful remarks about those of us with dementia. Um, I am learning that I'm probably better off not to be in support groups on Facebook where it's for caregivers as well as those with dementia uh, because of the comments being made about us and categorizing all of us into one lump that uh, we're ignorant, that... uh, Anything we say is of no importance because our brain is deteriorating. They'll be glad when we're dead. I mean, it's really hurtful stuff. And a lot of us with dementia are in these groups to try to educate and let caregivers know, you know, well, this is, you know, what happens to me. Um, We're not doing this on purpose, Um, you know, just to try to support them. And it's really hard when you've got some of the caregivers making the remarks that they do. It's extremely hard. I'm sure. it's Education is so important. Mm-hmm. My mom has had her disease for very possibly 20 years. Yeah. And, you know, and I told you I just turned 52. So she has had this problem the bulk of my adult life. 
my daughter's 27, so most of my daughter's life. Obviously, 20 years ago, it wasn't a big deal. They did, my parents didn't talk about it. My mom was in denial, which was the other reason I wanted to speak to you because you're definitely not in denial. You're out yeah. there. And yeah. I applaud you for really putting yourself on the line to help educate people because after my dad died, I was not actually aware my mom had been formally diagnosed with Alzheimer's. I just thought it was just, you know, whatever the, <laughs> the overreaching diagnosis of dementia. It wasn't until last year that I found out she actually had been, but I was trying to figure out, okay, well, you know, I knew dementia was more a symptom than an actual diagnosis. So I started researching and that's how I learned about you know, vascular dementia, mm -hmm. frontal, temporal, and Lewy body. And it was like, I don't know what she's got. <laughs> well, people don't realize that uh, we can have mixed dementias. We can have more than two different kinds, too. Uh, not sure. The doctors don't know why that is. Uh, they don't even know what's causing this stuff. But by the time we're diagnosed, we have probably had the symptoms for several years mm -hmm. because you think it's something else. I have fibromyalgia as well. And I thought a lot other than when I didn't know where I was, I thought a lot of the symptoms were coming from that. And now we know that it wasn't that, but it's very hard to get the diagnoses that we need. Um, and like I said, it's not like they can do anything because it is terminal. Mm -hmm. um, but it's just having that diagnosis on paper, I guess, seeing it makes it very real for us. And um, it's some people don't live but a few months after they're diagnosed. Some people can go on for 20 years. No one knows. Yeah. One, thing, one thing with Louis body is you can do horrible for uh, a month or two or weeks, and then you'll be back to like nothing was ever wrong with you. Uh, and then you can go back down again. It's like riding a roller coaster. And that's the one, I think, dementia that uh, does this with people uh, the most, where it's like, I had the flu last year, really bad. When I got over the flu, our family told me it was like I had woken from a coma mm. because my husband said I was like I was when we met. Wow. And I did good for about three or four months before I started having problems again. Um, a lady told me that her husband, he had Lee body or has Lee body, and she said they thought he was on his deathbed. And she said he rallied back to like nothing was wrong with him and did good for six months hmm. before he went back down again having problems. So it's very frustrating for us as well as the caregivers because we never know how we're going to be. Frankly, we can change minute to minute throughout the day. Yeah, that's it's, definitely worse than Alzheimer's. My mom, you know, obviously has declined very slowly. Um, she's 
She's been in the care home almost two years. So it says the 19th. So yeah, it's been, we're two months shy of two years. And she declined a little bit over the summer. And I think some of that was because they were renovating. So there was a lot of chaos and confusion mm-hmm. and things were, I mean, it, renovating your home when your mind is fine is stressful enough. So when you're, you know, your mind is not fine, it's definitely even mm-hmm. harder. And she seemed to handle it really well, but I noticed that the renovations went on the entire summer and finished up at the end of October. And I kind of noticed in October that she, her short-term memory seemed worse, which mm-hmm. is hard to imagine because it's barely two minutes at this point, but also her long-term memory seems like it's non-existent as well, which is yeah. really hard to imagine living with no memories at all, really. Um, I think that deep inside, we still have some memories, but we can't express them. Um, I don't know if that comes and goes or not. Um, I, I can't really cook anymore because um, I'll put stuff on the stove and then if I walk out of the room, I don't really remember that I'm cooking it. Uh, I have hurt myself in the kitchen, um, not intentionally, but I don't seem to have the level of, uh, well, trying to think of the word, uh, but um, it's kind of like a little kid, I guess. You don't realize that you can get burned or get cut or something, uh, but um one time, and I know it was the Louis Bay that did this, um, a skillet was on the stove, the grease was hot, and I just happened, I thought, hmm, wonder what that feel like. And I stuck my finger in the grease. Ouch. Yeah. And uh, being careless with knives, cutting things, and I cut my fingers and stuff. So uh, my husband said, you know, in the way I lose my balance, he's afraid I'll fall into the stove uh, with hot pans and stuff. So he's had to more or less take over the cooking mm-hmm. as well as caring for me and my brother. And we have two special needs sons. Oh, wow. And he, my husband, is the only one that drives. So he has to take us all to appointments and everything. Plus doing the household stuff. Um, I forgot the other night how to even set the microwave to reheat some coffee. I just stood there and I kept pushing buttons because I could not figure out how to use it. After a while, it came to me. But initially, and several, several tries. And it was frustrating for me. Very frustrating um, I can imagine it's we're frustrating. Losing, yeah, whenever, we're losing our abilities that we had. Yeah, and that's something that you know, just putting something in the microwave and hitting the buttons is something we take for granted. Yeah, and that's hard. Now, have you guys looked into Meals on Wheels? We can't get them because I would have to live alone and not hmm. have anyone else in the house. That's how it is here in our state. Okay. Because I'm, um, well, I interviewed, a friend of mine is the director for our local Meals on Wheels, 
Mm-hmm. I might have to go back and re-listen to it because I didn't remember that being the case, but I'll have to ask her. But of course, we're in California and you're in Kentucky, so it's not mm-hmm. going to help. And then I know one of these days I'm going to get brave and try to try to do an interview with Uber because they have a mm-hmm. program called Uber Health where you okay. schedule with them um, to pick you up and take you to doctor's appointments and things. Now, money listeners will know I have a grandmother. My dad's mom will be 101 on March 28th. Wow. Yeah, her mind is fine. Um, She's mostly blind from glaucoma. And it would be beneficial if she would do some of the things like Uber and Lyft and Mm -hmm. stuff. But at 100, she's not terribly... Uh, trusting of that type of thing. I know she doesn't take taxis either. Now we're in the suburbs, so it's not Mm -hmm. as easy as if we were in San Francisco or Oakland, which aren't that far away. Um, So it's, it's interesting that there's a lot of, there's a lot of help out there, but you have to know where to look sometimes and you have to sometimes be creative and accepting of, you know, how to, how to help like your husband help you guys. Yeah. So there's five of you in the house? Yes. Okay. So he must be tired. <laughs> <laughs> yes. He now, is. <laughs> is he retired? He works from home. Okay. That's always fun. That's what I do. Um, there are places, you know, the Alzheimer's Association and the Family Caregiver Alliance do offer respite care grants. So he might want to look into that so that he can get a break and yeah. and it doesn't cost you guys a ton of money. Because I know people coming in the home to help out is extremely expensive. Yeah, We did that when my dad was on hospice because somebody needed to help my mom. But he also, he was diabetic and his donated kidney was failing. <clears throat> Excuse me. And all of a sudden overnight, his memory failed him. He thought it was 1998 and it was the end of 2016. So that was a crisis that my sister and I got to, to deal with. But so I'm very familiar with in-home care, but we had to do it 24 seven. So that's, you don't want to know about that. (laughs) Yeah. Um. Hello. Hi, Jennifer. Hi. Is everything okay? Yes. Everything is fine. Are you on your way to work? Yeah. Yeah. How are the kids? Oh, they're doing fine. Busy as usual. I thought Pam was calling today. Don't you have a big meeting to be prepared for? Yeah, actually I do. And, you know, checking in like this, there's got to be a better way. I've told my husband that day comes and I'm just like totally out of control, which some people with dementia do get that way. And um, that it would be okay to put me in a memory home, but he says that he couldn't do that. Um, I've got mixed feelings about them. I know that there are times when it's the best thing for Mm -hmm. a person to be placed in them. Um, I also know that um, it can be very frightening to the person with the dementia because they're in a strange place. They usually don't know anyone. 
and it can sometimes cause a faster decline. Uh, there are some good homes out there, and there's also some that are not so good. Mm-hmm. And um, I, if I was going to have to be put in one, I would want pictures of my family all around me and stuff and have my chair there and as much that could make me think that I was home. Because that's what we, I just, yeah, I think that's so important. It is, I agree. That's what my sister and I did for mom. She had her, we took all of, well, most of her bedroom furniture and down the hallway from her bedroom on both sides were just family photos and there were large family photos mm-hmm. um, in the living room and we just put all of those in her room in the memory residence and you're right the first two months of her living there were horrible because she didn't understand why she was there she didn't remember Mm -hmm. that you know my sister goes every weekend I go every Monday so her sister comes somewhat regularly um her sister isn't um isn't really able to drive as far she lives about 35 40 minutes away so it is harder for my aunt to get out to see her sister. But for the first two months, I would show up and mom would cry and, oh, thank God you're here. And, oh, it was awful. And then one yeah. day I came in the door and my mom was following another resident. Mom saw me and said, oh, oh, come with me. I have to help my friend. And Aww. that word friend, the way I felt, I'm sure is the way I would feel if I won the the jumbo lottery because I realized it was going to be okay. It wasn't going to always be as bad as it had been and that she was acclimating and making friends. And, you know, that's, that's what she, she does. She sits and socializes with my mom's name is Diane and her very close friends have both been named Diane for a while. There were the three (laughs) Dianes. It was so confusing because you couldn't, it's confusing for people with, you know, no memory problems. And when I would talk to my mom, I'd say, oh, where's your friend, Diane? She would get confused. And um, the first one moved out um, right after Halloween, and now it's just mom and the other Diane. (laughs) (laughs) And I take them both out. I took them out, got their nails done. I took them to McDonald's a couple weeks ago. I was hoping that there'd be kids in the play zone But as I mentioned before, my daughter's 27 and I wasn't paying quite as much attention to the time. So we were before school got out and the play zone was completely empty. It was the only thing that was making noise in there was the radio. And so after 15, 20 minutes of having a little snack, they were getting very bored and um, the bench was hard. So I said, oh, let's go for a drive. I drive them up in the hill where they can see the trees and the mountains and it's beautiful. And, and then I took them back for dinner. Um, that's the kind of stuff I do with my mom. A lot of people think I'm crazy because I take, I've taken all three Diane's out at, not together. I've done two (laughs) at a time and it's, I think it's important to get them out. Yeah. Yeah. It helps me because it gives us something else to talk about and, focus on instead of her just asking me the same questions repeatedly. I, I, I know in the stores for me at times or restaurants, if my husband takes me out to eat, 
we try to get there like when the restaurant opens for lunch mm-hmm. because the noisier it is, it just, I can't function hardly. It's just like all this blah, 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 just going around and around. And in the bigger stores, all the lights and stuff can overstimulate me. And um, I just feel like I have to get out of there that I can't. It makes me very confused. Um, So we have found that it works best for me if we're going out to eat, to go eat early. We don't go out at night because something about being out at night and if I was in a restaurant just packed with people and all the laughing and noise and stuff, it just, it makes me have more trouble being able to function. It's overwhelming. Mm-hmm. My mom's um, the same way. Yeah. We finally stopped taking her to a lot of restaurants. Like my husband's favorite restaurant is so loud. I don't like how loud it is. But yeah. the food is good and he enjoys the beers. So that's fine. But I, we haven't taken my mom there for years. Yeah. Because she would literally complain about the noise like every four or five minutes. I mean, yeah. through the entire time you were there. And after a while, it's like, yeah, I know, I know. It's loud in here. Just Yeah. And it, it just overwhelms us. And we, we have to keep stating something. And I remember, uh, remember back uh, probably three years ago, I had a really bad panic attack in a restaurant because it was so noisy. And I just said, I've got to get out of here. I've got to get out of here. And I was crying. And um, it just, it's overwhelming to us. Yeah, she she doesn't handle restaurants even if they're quieter. Because I was doing the same thing, was going earlier, like the Mm -hmm. pre-lunch rush or after the lunch rush. And so I, although she handles going to Starbucks okay, which is interesting. Mm. Yeah. Because we've done that a few times, and I go and visit her after a meeting on Mondays, so I'm usually there about 2 o'clock, so it's after their lunch. Ideally, it would be nice, because I show up about the time that they start getting the residents involved in the activities, but even the simple activities are beyond her capabilities, which sounds kind of bad, but it's just... There was yeah. one day I was just tired and stressed and they were coloring. And I said, you know, this is a very relaxing. I have my own pens and pencils and coloring books at home and I do it to relax. So I got my mom to do it and she could not decipher between inside and outside the lines. And I thought, mm-hmm. okay, I am going to try a trick with her. It was a mindfulness exercise where you just kind of, basically you're just marking up paper with crayons. Yeah, you know, you're not trying to do anything specific. Although, I'm not sure she'll be able to grasp that theory. So she, yeah. I don't know. Well, we're gonna try it perhaps this coming Monday because, like I said, it's been very rainy. I'm waiting for not rainy day. I'm gonna take her and my three dogs to the dog park. She's a huge dog lover. Yeah, I and am I, too. <laughs> she had her dog with her until they started. Well, till they. We're close to the end of the renovations and having her dog there was not great for the dog. And her memory has gotten so bad that, you know, the dog was not being well cared for because 
the ladies would feed her from the table and she didn't have structure and discipline that dogs need. And my sister and I were torn with what do we do that's best for the dog versus what's best for mom. And then when they said, well, we're getting new carpet, I'm like, okay, (laughs) time to rehome the dog. So hopefully she's uh, 10. So hopefully she went back to the breeder. She went to a ranch in Oregon with the breeder's grandkids. So hopefully she's lost a tremendous amount of weight because she was about double her body weight and is living the rest of her life happily and not kind of crazy. Now, do you have a dog or you just like dogs? Oh, yes. We have several. We did rescue for ah. uh, several years before I was diagnosed. And uh, we, we did rescue with older dogs that had health issues or they weren't taken care of. Uh, their owner had to go in a nursing home or died and the families didn't want them or they were found out on the street, uh, just let loose or whatever. And uh, we've lost a lot of them through the years. Uh, we've rehomed several, let them go to a rescue, uh, let them go to a really good home. And uh, we, we love animals. We do. They're our fur babies. Yep, that's what we call so. ours. Our youngest golden is a rescue, and oh, he's crazy. And then it's, I had a question. When okay. you were first diagnosed, mm-hmm. I'm sure that was traumatic. It was um, did you go into a little bit of denial at that point or did you just go, are, no. are you the way you are now? I, I didn't go into denial. Uh, basically what I'm finding a lot of people say is what was said to me by the doctors. Uh, you have this, it's terminal. You need to get your affairs in order. And if there's things you want to, you wanted to do in life, you need to do them now. And then you're set home with no information about anything. So we came home and I sit here and I uh, asked Eric, I said, well, what am I supposed to do? Just sit here till I die? I mean, I didn't know. And so he started researching and we researched and researched and uh, started finding all this stuff out about it. Um, that was scary because you really don't know what to expect when you have no other information. Um, I, I wasn't in denial, but the ups and downs that I've had with it, where I did okay, you start to wonder, was the, was the doctor wrong? Mm-hmm. Do I have this or not? I don't think I do. I think he was wrong. And then, bam. You go back down. So you know that, yes, I do have it. But for me, that's been one of the hardest things is um, the ups and downs with it. Because it's just like it toys with your emotions. It does. It's like, okay, am I going to be okay today or not? Um, Am I going to be able to walk without my walker? Maybe. Um, I lose my balance from out of nowhere. I, I never know when it's going to happen. And that's why I have the walker. But one day, my husband was behind me in the store, and I fell back. And if he hadn't caught me, my head would have hit the floor in the store, even though I had the walker. 
So I've got a medical scooter as well that we bought. And uh, if my if I'm having all, I mean, a lot of problems with my balance, and if I want to go out, then I have that to use. It makes sense. So, and it's a it's a really crazy concept that if I have my walker in the stores, people are more respectful of me. Uh, they move out of the way. If I'm in my uh, electric medical scooter, uh, they walk in front of me. They give me dirty looks like, why are, why are you using that? Uh, and I did like this little experiment for a couple of weeks. And my husband said, no, you're not imagining it. That's what's happening. Because we don't have, look like we have a, I don't want to call it a disability, but because we look like we're okay, uh, we don't have an obvious sign of having something wrong with us, then it's like we don't need to be in a medical scooter. Yeah, I can under, I can I can see why people would think that. I used yeah. to get very frustrated. I would go to Target or wherever mm-hmm. and I must be a magnet for I walk in the door and some kids just start screaming. And a lot of times I try to avoid, I'm like, I'll go on the, this side of the store and maybe mm-hmm. they'll leave. And one time this kid was just going, mama, 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 mama. We were in line at the cash register. Mama, mama. And I was like, I wanted to poke his mother and say, can you stop ignoring your child? But I've had a client who's got an autistic son. He's now, he graduated from high school a couple years ago. So he's pretty much an adult, a very young adult. And I learned through her that, you know, sometimes that behavior is not just mom being neglectful or the kids. Right. And it's, it could be autism. And it was like, ah, okay. So even mentally now I try not to roll my eyes and like, oh, why can't that mom? It's like that kid needs to go home and have a nap, you know, because that's, that's what I've seen is just kids that just, you can just tell they're exhausted. Yeah. Sometimes you're like, I wonder why that kid's screaming. I wonder if they've got something so it's, it's, you have to retrain yourself and not judge just physically because like my daughter has Crohn's disease. So you can't see the ulcers in her colon. Right. And if she's, um, if she has a flare up, it just sucks all of the energy out of her and she'll end up sleeping like 18 hours a day. And, you know, she's a millennial. So it's easy to say, oh, so lazy. And that, but that's not the case at all. So, you know, we have to, we have to not be so judgmental. I've noticed that if there's someone using the uh, electric carts at the grocery store, if they have a cane stuck in it, then people are more respectful of them than the people who are just on one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see the dirty looks they give people that's using them, uh, it's, it's been an eye-opener for me uh, because I am very people-oriented. I always have been. Um, I used to be an insurance adjuster. That was what I did for all those years. And I had to have kind of an analytical 
mind. Mm-hmm. Today, I'm remembering most of the words to use. Now, <laughs> this later on, I may not even know what to do with a can opener. That's how <laughs> this goes with me. Uh, but I just thought, I'm not imagining this stuff. I know. So my husband, I had him watch with me in the stores, and he said, you're right. That's and I just... talked I talked about this in a video I did inside the store um, because people were just being so rude. Uh, but if I have the walker, they're nicer. And it's just crazy the concepts that we have of people. Um, I don't use the walker because I want to. I don't use the medical scooter because I want to. This is what's happening to me with dementia. Uh, There's people I have spoken to in the store using my walker. Hi, how are you? And they'll turn their head. They won't even respond. Most people will, but there are those people who will give me a dirty look, turn their head, and walk away. And I think, well, that's on them. You know, that's sad. That's them. But this is what we're facing out here. And I know I'm not the only one that this is being done to. I know that. And it's so sad because we still should be treated with dignity. Um, Definitely. They don't know how much I've struggled to even get out and go to the store uh, because it is such an exhausting thing to do a lot of times my husband tries to get me out every day so I get some exercise and um but there's days when I just tell him no I just I can't do people today (laughs) I can't I can't go out and be (laughs) people-y I just can't do it or uh, I'll just be so exhausted and that's a big thing with dementia is how exhausted we are because our brains are having to work so hard to do the things that we are still able to do. And um, I was in uh, two support group meetings yesterday, and one of them went over. And they were pretty much back-to-back, and I was totally exhausted. I'm sure. When we got off the other end. We're talking about two and a half hours total. But I just, I couldn't think, I couldn't comprehend. I was just exhausted. And it it takes everything out of us. I'm sure. I'll have to watch my mom because she doesn't seem to get exhausted. Like she was here for Thanksgiving. I am trying to remember what time we picked her up. It was after her lunch. I'm thinking somewhere three-ish, the three o'clock hour. And... You know, we had dinner somewhat early for dinner time, but not necessarily for Thanksgiving. And she was, you know, active and she participated in everything and talked to everybody. And it was there was twenty people here. Oh wow! So that's I would have got over. Yeah, I would have yeah. gotten overwhelmed. Um, and I, I advised people at Christmas time if you're going to have a lot of family and friends in to party to celebrate. Watch for your loved one to kind of have a overwhelmed look or something and to try to get them off into a room where it's a lot quieter mm-hmm. because that is what I would 
would have to be done for me. I know when we were out in the stores closer to Christmas, I just, oh, my God, I thought I was just going to go nuts. I could yeah. not stand it. And people everywhere and running into you and pulling out in front of you. And, <laughs> but um, I haven't driven in going on four years. I surrendered my license because I didn't want to be a danger to other people or myself. And when I didn't know where I was even at, I thought, no, no. Um, a lot of times people will fight their family to keep driving. And they don't realize that if they're involved in a wreck, the family could lose everything that they bought. Because if an insurance company were to find out that you had dementia, they would not pay anything. That's a very good point because... In my support group, there are people that are struggling to figure out how to separate their family member from their car. Yeah. And it's difficult. And where we are in California, it's, you know, the suburbs, public transportation is not, it's not like for me, I'd have to walk a slightly over a mile to get yeah. to the bus stop. Now, fortunately, to get there, it's downhill, but to get back, if I were carrying groceries, it's up a fairly steep incline up, you know, to get to the house. And that's, yeah. you know, and it's a, it's like a mile and a, like 1.2 miles. So it's. I, do, I don't know if having a doctor, their doctor tell their loved one that, you know, it, they can't, they can no longer drive. Um, sometimes they're more accepting from the doctor telling them that a family member, because they think the family member's just doing that to me, uh, they're punishing me. But um, I'm thankful that I did it so willingly. Uh, I do miss at times not being able to drive myself to the store and stuff. But, um, you know, I realize I can't do that. It's not safe. Yeah, my mom was very reluctant to give up her car, and she drove from their house to her the nail salon, which was about a mile, and it had been taken over by new owners. So the sign was different. Some of the decor was different, so she didn't recognize it, and yeah. she got confused. Unfortunately, she did end up back home. But I remember it frustrated my dad because, I mean, it's literally like a straight shot there. Go get your nails done, straight shot home. And, you know, with his chronic health issues, he didn't want to have to drive her everywhere she needed to go. So I think he was, he was reluctant. I, you know, it was kind of one of those things. It's like you kind of get forced into it. But the, the people in my support group that are having this issue, we have suggested that they get the doctor involved. And I know you can call the DMV and say, mm -hmm. um, I think just a lot of family members have a hard time parenting their parents and doing yeah. things that seem, well, like if you take your parents' car away, then you get to drive them everywhere. So that's not necessarily what you want to do. Um, you know, like for myself. Enough, enough, yeah, I, I'm sorry. That's okay. Something came into my mind and I'm bad about that. It just, it's like, okay, it's there, say it, you know. That's fine. But uh, another issue is when there's guns in the home. Not to get into the whole gun debate. 
Right. But uh, they should not be in the home. Uh, if they're going to keep them in the home, then make sure there's no ammunition in the home. Because, yes, you know, we can get confused and think that our loved one is a stranger mm-hmm. in the home. So that's that's another thing that um, I don't know if I've ever talked about that or not. I think I have. I've made so many videos <laughs> that I forget what I've talked about. And sometimes while I'm making them, I forget what I'm even saying in the middle of them. But that's it's, that's real. I keep mm-hmm. them real. That, you know, I do lose my whole train of thought. Uh, I will have something in my hand and think, what, what am I supposed to do with this? What does, And I'll have to ask my husband, what, what is this for? What am I supposed to do with this? Because I have no idea. So our reasoning, I guess, comes and goes. Um, that makes it's, sense. Um, it's like you might know something one minute and then the next few minutes not realize what it even is again. So and that's- it's, it's just so mysterious and just I wish they could find answers for that. I wish they could find a cure for everyone. Uh, I don't think I'll see it in my lifetime. I really don't. I don't think I'll see it in mine either. And I'm six years younger. I'm just hoping that they find it in my daughter's lifetime. And definitely, you know, my niece and nephew, because my maternal great grandmother had no memory at the end of her life. My maternal grandmother had no memory at the end of her life. And my mom has no memory. And it's like, oh, that's great family history. But to, to go back to the gun thing, um, we were not aware, and I haven't actually even discussed this with my sister because it's kind of pointless, but I, I really think my dad had cognitive issues that we weren't aware of because my mom was so bad. And one of the red flags that I realized after he passed away was actually a red flag was he called me in the fall, right before the 2016 election. And he was very upset because he wanted to get a handgun and they were not accepting his military handgun safety training back from 1959. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, that was over 50 years ago, dad. I think that's not unreasonable. And I'm like, why do you want a gun anyway? And it got into the political, so we won't go there. And I said, you know, I don't think having a gun in the house with mom's memory being so bad, their house is directly across the street from an elementary school, and they happen to be on the kindergarten side. I said, what if she, what if the dog barks and she gets confused and shoots the dog or goes out and shoots one of the kids from the school? I'm like, you never know. No, you don't. when he ended up in the hospital, the first thing my husband and I did was ransack their house. And he, he had actually an illegal shotgun. Oh, wow. And that went away very quickly. And it'd been there a long time. According to my sister, she was aware of it, but it was just, you know, it was scary. Cause you know, I don't, you don't think about, well, my mom's memory is bad, but dad seems okay. And you don't think about, you know, Plowing through the house looking for things that could be bad. Well, yeah, and you might have to put knives up and stuff, uh, scissors, things like that, because I've had bizarre thoughts 
uh, I haven't acted on any of them, but I don't know if one day I might, uh, not to hurt anybody, but to hurt myself. I've had thoughts of, and I mean, really strange stuff. So my husband, he took the hair cutting scissors out of our bathroom. Um, and if it gets to the point to where I like, I guess think of like using a knife on myself or something, then I think he would probably put all those up where I wouldn't know where they're at or could get to them. You've just got to think of so many things. That's probably a good place to stop for now. I'm sure you got as much out of listening to Janice as I did. Tune in again next week for the second half, and I've got a little teaser for you because at the end, Janice says something that completely cracked me up, and I don't want you to miss something funny because we all need more humor in our life. Thanks for tuning in to Fading Memories, and as always, I'll be in your ears again next Tuesday. Hi, Jen. Sorry about the confusion this morning. I don't know why we keep getting mixed up like this, but I did do some research and I found the perfect app, I think, to solve our problems. It's called uh, I'm Up. It's a way that mom can check in with us at the push of the button on her phone. Wow, that sounds interesting. Tell me about it. It's really simple and kind of perfect for us. Mom just puts her info in and then one of our contact numbers at a time of day when we want her to check in and taps a big red button when it comes up. And then whatever contact she puts in gets a text message. If she doesn't check in, the contact will be alerted. And if there's no continued contact, like she doesn't ever get back to us, then emergency services get called. Oh, that sounds fantastic. How much does that cost? It's only $4.99 a month, which is pretty reasonable, all things considered. Uh, With this version, you get all kind of great options. You can program it for one to three check-ins. There's multiple emergency contacts. So the whole family or even a neighbor could get one. There's even a pet registry to store important information about the dog, including what you want to do after you pass away. Also, there's an estate directory that allows you to have all of the estate information in one place, which is pretty awesome. Power of attorney info and anything someone might need if you're incapacitated or worse. Sign us up. I'm assuming you get that through the App Store. I'm downloading it now. After you download the I'm Up app from your favorite App Store, use invite code 006. That way the fine folks at I'm Up know that you heard about them from Fading Memories. Thanks for tuning in to Fading Memories. And as always, I'll be in your ears again next Tuesday. If you enjoyed this episode and found it helpful, please take a moment and give us a positive rating and review. Ratings and reviews are how new listeners find us, and they can't be a supportive podcast if people don't know I exist.